look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Content is king. So if you have some content you need created, hit up IOPvideo.com. Video production, podcasting, you name it, we can do it. IOPvideo.com. We make things look pretty. All right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yourselves in for a wonderful ride because right now you're listening to the sounds of the voice party. All right, yeah. so please, Sandra, <laughs> introduce yourselves to the uh, party goers out there and tell us what you do. Sure. My name is Sandra Martin, and I am a community educator slash peer counselor uh, volunteering for an organization called Conscious Voices African American Wellbeing Center. And Conscious Voices is an African American mental health organization based out of Oakland, California. I'm not sure if you want to continue with questions, but that's just like the brief intro because I can just keep on talking if you want me to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. So how long, how long has this, has this, uh, you said the organization itself has been around for, for a while, but you just currently um, took over uh, operations. Is that what you mentioned earlier? No. So the organization um, officially got, is 501c3 certification so it's a nonprofit organization um okay. it got a certification um certification in 2013 mm-hmm. and how the organization came about was because in 2011 alameda county put out an african-american utilization report and in that report they um, basically said that their services were not effective for african-americans and um after that in 2012 can i can i interrupt real quick just mm-hmm. just to clarify what what services were they talking about in that report their healthcare and um mental healthcare services mental okay and so um so then in 2012 there was an african american innovation grant and what mm-hmm. that grant was for was uh, money set aside to do research and projects on how to improve the services in Alameda County for African Americans. Um, from that, from that money's uh, Conscious Voices was a two-time recipient um, for the. There's this. Um, mental health mental health services act and what that is is um it's a one percent tax on income over a million dollars and this is throughout Mm -hmm. the state of california so Mm -hmm. each county um gets that one percent tax um you know they get a piece of the pie right right and um to put it back into the community and 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 this for for instance, for for you guys, it it funds the classes that you guys do. That's just one of the things that it funds, right? No, we're actually not. We're not receiving any of that money um, this oh. year. And they actually just did um, their recertification to where like they pick um, they pick organizations that get that money, and mm-hmm. um, is for the next three years. So. Um, 
of that money actually only once only one percent of that money is actually being used for african americans whereas we're like 15 percent of the population and right. um, part of what we're trying to do as organization is mobilize and um you know um bring together our community so we can say you know hey look you know we need to work together on these different things because you know technically even though that um you know one percent of the income over a million dollars you know alameda county gets a portion of that um so even though there's legislation to help um you know in the mental health care field and there's yeah. um you know there's the the demographics and the population um showing you know there's you know 15 percent african-americans so even though the money that you know there's legislation set aside to have this money um there isn't any legislation saying you know, of that money's 15% of it should be spent on African-Americans and, you know, African-American programs. Right, right. You, you said what percentage of... of that money? Oh, no, what percentage of African-Americans make up the, the overall... The Alameda County. Spoken? So we're like, you Alameda? know, roughly we're like 15% of um, Alameda County, right? But only uh, 1% of that money is being spent yeah. you know, on us, for us. But, you know, right. because... Um, we're not aware of any of this going on. Like we can't even stand up and say, Hey, you know, let's do something about that. And you know what else that money goes towards? I mean, do you guys like, um, like what other services are funded by that? So part of those monies go to, so like, um, the general fund in Oakland, you know, like part of those monies goes to that part of the general fund goes to, um, the police force. You know, so you can always yeah. trace the money and you yes. can always see it. But if there's no one there looking to say, hey, wait a minute, yep. why aren't you guys, you know, and if there aren't enough of us present at the table where these conversations are happening, right. you know, then we get left out because um, let's say, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm biracial, but let's just mm -hmm. say, um, you know, Latinos are there at the table. Um, they're gonna make sure they get money for them. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's right. the struggle. Like, they're they're struggling to make sure they get that money. You know, so um, if there's nobody at the table for for blacks, then there's nobody there to make sure that we get the money. You know, get that part. So, um, that's just one thing that mm -hmm. has popped up on my radar since I've been working um with the organization the part that i actually do so like um, you know i'm passionate about this but my time is you know we only have so much and there's always more work to be done you know right so that's that's yeah that's a that's a big one uh because a lot of these you know everyone has uh the, the help is available to everybody but if you're not there when the decision is being made it really just kind of you know it screws over the whole <laughs> that you're you're part of the uh, of the community right so um so again so we were recipients of that money at one point but um you know there's this whole other scandal going on like we know who got the money and we we're working with the people who got the money and the people who got the money said that they were going to work with us and give us part of that money, but that mm. actually didn't happen. Yeah. And now the county's like, well, your beef is with them and not with us. Wow. So, 
and this is for three years of funding that mm. like our name and everything was all up in the proposal for this money and then what happened was um the proposal this the step that goes from the proposal to the actual contract that says what's going to happen somehow we dropped out of it and the oh, county wow. didn't enforce the this organization to follow by um their proposal and and just so our listeners understand for if if for you guys if the if you were to get uh this money what is that fun just just for those people that are just tuning in what 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 would it fund yeah what does your organization do like uh it, it provides uh mental health services oh so we provide um a few different services one service we provide are we have therapists that work um within the organization so we have a fee for service um for therapy so if you have insurance we're able to build this insurance and pay our therapists for seeing you so that's mm -hmm. one service that um those monies wouldn't mess with because we're billing insurance um but the other services we offer are healing circles and um as a whole organization part of our model and what we're trying to um push for is a new approach to mental health, a new approach to healing, specifically for the African-American community. So um, typical research says, you know, someone has trauma or someone has some type of, um, you know, mental health issue, depression, anxiety, you know, um, the whole gamut of why they would go see the therapist um, traditionally says, you know, go see a one-on-one -on -one therapist and you know, they'll prescribe a treatment plan for you. You, you know, you go through it and um, you're better, right? Um, right? Traditional, the traditional plan or route. Um, but again, remember Alameda County, they put out the report saying our services are not, you know, helping black people, African-Americans, our services aren't helping you guys, right? So that's the report that they put out. That's the research that they did and that's what they found, right? So here we have... Um, this this report that's out here we have all these um you know mental health care workers you know therapists um social workers what have you they've been trained a certain way right so um so what our model is saying is that um not only does an african-american need to be seen on an individual basis but the african-american needs to also be in group sessions and within those groups, um, there has to be the organization and the goal of pushing back on the system or the goal of, you know, fixing that community issue that has you stressed out in the first place. So let's say we have a group of mothers who um, they have, you know, their, their black sons that are um, being treated unfairly in the school system, right? So the mom mm -hmm. is stressing out, their sons are continually getting um, suspended and they have to take off work to go, you know, take, you know, take care of this issue at school. And then they lose their job because they have to take off work so much. So now they're depressed and they, you know, go talk to the therapist. Um, so the therapist is talking to them, giving them coping skills or, you know, what have you. Um, but our model is saying not only do does that person or that mom or that dad 
need to see the ind- individual therapist, but that mom and dad needs to be in a group to where they're solving the issue of what's going on at the school. Because how are you ultimately going to heal yourself and be better if you're not working on, you know, finding a solution to the problem that caused you to be, you know, depressed and um, stressed out in the first place. And so um, these therapists are trained in such a way to where they're not culturally responsive to our issues. Right. Because it's a whole different ballgame than you know, uh, another, you know, conquered or whatever, you know, right. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that's, um, that's the new approach that we're trying to, um, you know, influence therapists on. So, um, so when I'll backtrack a little bit. So when conscious Mm -hmm. voices first got started, it was, um, it was 12 programs that were funded by the african-american innovation grant and that grant or you know those monies were set aside to try to figure out you know what can be done to help improve the services in alameda county for african-americans so um of those 12 programs that came about in 2012 2013 conscious voices is the only one that's still in existence um, mm. which is not um, anything to like brag about or say woohoo because um, this problem that Alameda County said they have has now stalled. Why? Because are we the only ones trying to now improve the services for African-Americans? That's what it kind of looks like if all these yeah. other programs went away that were there, you know, they came about to try to solve this issue, right? right. Um, so what Conscious Voices did was, I mean, this was the, and this is one of the other services we offer and how it has morphed into what I do. Um, not just me, uh, there we have other community educate, community educators and peer counselors. But um, what Catcher Voices did was they put together a curriculum, you know, saying, hey, you guys know your services don't work, right? You guys went to school, you got your degrees, um, you know, you have your practice, but you know your services, you, you guys say your services don't work for us. So, um, so we went out, we talked to our community, we went out, we talked to, you know, other um, black therapists, we... Um, you know, we have community engagement. We're we're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to improve these services. So Conscious Voices did this research and they put together this um, curriculum. And they said, hey, now you guys come to us so that we can teach you how to better work with our people. You know, come to us and take our training. So that's another, we offer provider trainings to help is that, them. That, and, that, and that is for like, uh, doctors and police right uh, for whoever yeah. we want as many people as possible right. to um, to, to take these trainings with us teachers counselors anyone who works with our people we right. we want you know we want you to be culturally mm-hmm. responsive not only that we want you to understand our model and we want you to understand what um, what we're saying is needed to help heal our community Right. So, um, so that's another service, right? But while that curriculum was developed and while these were the recommendations to the county, here presents this other problem. And um, the other problem was, you know, 
the therapists and you know whoever else um because i can't really name names and all that stuff mm-hmm. basically saying um okay yeah we see all this work you did and we see what you, you know what you're saying we should do but um who's gonna make us who's right. gonna make us take these trainings who's gonna make us help us um improve our services yeah like why yeah, yeah right, i already right. went to school and i got all my degrees so why do yeah. i need to go, you know learn some new stuff Right. So there's no law saying this therapist, you know, who has their degree um, has to go take another six month course to be able to work with our people. There's nothing saying that. No, they just go ahead and get the, you know, the Medi-Cal, the insurance, whatever they bill it, they charge it, they see them. And, um, you know, and that's that. So. Once, um, and Cheryl Crenshaw is the executive director of Conscious Voices. Um, so when she realized that, um, then there, and the research also says this too, that when you, you know, are being counseled or, um, you know, given advice from, given help from someone that looks like you, um, is from where you're from, been, you know, been through what you've been through, um, Sometimes that's more effective. Why? Because, you know, you're more comfortable with this person um, as opposed to, you know, a white male therapist that you, you know, maybe don't trust because of all of the negative um, incidences that happen with our people in the medical field. You know, the different experiments they've done on us. And uh, I know from experience I, it, not just you know racially just when it, somebody that looks like you like you said um it, it can it feels more sometimes like like you're actually it, it can be healing as opposed to conditioning you know yeah i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before but there is a study on uh npr you know national public radio uh, where they followed medical professionals for a year. And the medical professionals knew that they were being observed and monitored by these researchers. And they were looking for something specific, which is how do the medical practitioners treat people um, when it comes to race? And even though these people knew that they were being monitored and, and the kinds of medication they were subscribe, uh, prescribing, and what have you were being checked on. Uh, they went about their business just totally, honestly, earnestly thinking that everything was fine. At the end of the study, at the end of the year and some change, I forget exactly how long it was, many medical practitioners were saddened, shocked, and heartbroken when they looked back upon the record and they realized that someone that looked like them, like let's say you were an African-American doctor or a Caucasian doctor, you know, if they if someone that looked like them came in, they tended to prescribe a different set of remedies or medications or treatments for that person than someone who looked different. And it's not like they were intentionally trying to poison these people, per se, but it was just sort of like two people come in with the flu and then the doctor may say, for you, I'm giving you anti this and that and the third. And the other person comes in. It's like ah, bed rest, orange juice. Uh, mm-hmm. call me in the morning, right? Yeah. And they honestly thought at the time that they were doing this, that they were giving the patient the best possible kind of treatment, 
But when they realize it's like, yo, they have the same thing. And for some reason, some subconscious quirk made them more attentive to one than the other. And they, 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 you know, it's not like they were burning crosses in people's lawns, but that they had the desire to do so. But it's just something they couldn't quite help. And um, I think that definitely speaks to the other side of that, where it's like as a patient coming in and talking to a therapist that doesn't look like me, you know, I may feel like this person is judging me. Can I really trust and open up to this person? Can they be, because therapists are supposed to be um, impartial, right? They're supposed to be neutral. Is this person really neutral? Um, and I may not feel that way uh, talking to somebody that doesn't look like me. You know what I mean? And on the other side of that, they may actually treat me a little bit different than, and that, you know, I'm not throwing any shade at anybody, but, right. you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Right. No, that's exactly, um, you know, to the point of, you know, a therapist, uh, um, you know, a therapist with a with a black client and they're saying, you know, trying to offer them suggestions like, um, well, why don't you just, you know, go for a job in the neighborhood, um, go for a job. It was like, no, lady, I can't go jogging in my neighborhood because then I'm going to get harassed by you know, drug dealer or, you know, a pimp or what have you, I might get shot or say, well, why don't you just, you know, go into a different part of the house and turn on some soft music? No, lady, um, there is no different part of the house because it's three of us or four of us in a bedroom and it's two or three people in the living room. So what I'm supposed to do, go sit in the bathtub? Right. Um, You know, things like that. And also... uh, Going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, I grew up in Richmond and we had on a guest a few months ago or a couple of months ago where we talked about this. A lot of us who grew up in Richmond and Oakland have, uh, you know, a form of PTSD from some of the stuff we saw growing up and we never actually got treated for Mm -hmm. that. Now it's affecting us as we're older. Right. That's exactly why I hold my trauma training um, every Tuesday at 6 p.m. because I figured out a way um, to treat myself of the trauma. First, I had to identify that I had it. And because, you know, so much of our PTSD goes undiagnosed, then we don't treat it. Not only that, but um, we don't realize that stress and trauma are two different things. You know, stress, because we feel stressed out all the time, or, you know, we're so common, or we just learn how to deal with it. And you hear, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. You hear both words together. So you might think they're the same thing. It's just stress. And it's actually not. Um, Stress resolves itself on its own. Where trauma, that means that you've had an actual change in brain function. And that needs to actually be treated. Um, And I'm not sure if you guys want to hear a little bit of, you know, um of the trauma training just to give people an idea um but like i said this is exactly why i do what i do because there is such a great need um for us to you know heal ourselves one but there's also a great need for us to understand um that it's okay to talk about it because a lot you know like we're not even talking about it like who's going to admit you know, I have PTSD um, or, you know, who's admitting that? Who's talking about it? Um, I think people are starting to talk about it more, but um, that's what that's why I do what I do on Tuesdays. I commit my time to that 
hoping that the information I share can be shared, you know, with family, with friends and let people know like, wow, you know, maybe all of us, um, not maybe, I think all of us have some form, like you said, um, a PTSD. But anyway, um, if you guys are interested, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, definitely. It's a yeah. longer version. I'll try to condense it some. So, um, basically, to talk about trauma, you have to talk about stress. Stress relieves itself on its own. Trauma, that means there's been a permanent change in your brain function needs to be treated. Um, there are different parts of your brain. The research talks about it from an evolutionary standpoint. But if you believe in creation, um, that's that's okay and everything, you know, you can't deny that there are different parts of our brain and in our brain, different things, you know, the different parts have different functions. So the stress and tra then trauma part has to deal with your amygdala. That's where the um, stress response happens. If you've ever heard of fight, flight, fight or flight or freeze, right? Um, yeah. The little example that I give is, let's say a dog comes out of nowhere, me and my sister are walking down the street, dog comes out of nowhere, scares the mess out of us. Um, the owner comes and gets the dog, the dog is gone. My sister, she's laughing, you know, she's laughing at me, and but I'm still tripping. I'm like, dude, what are you laughing at? It's not funny. I'm, I'm really tripping, tripping out, looking around. For her, that moment was just an instance of stress. Now she's okay. She's not worried about that dog. She's laughing. For me, that moment was a single traumatic event. The the change happened right there instantly, right? And so um, when you have trauma, what that means is that now you have an overactive amygdala when it comes to certain things, or possibly now it's so overactive, you're processing all information through your amygdala first, meaning you're processing it through the part that deals with your survival mode. Um, you know, your fight, flight, or freeze. When you perceive a threat, are you going to run away from it? Are you gonna, does your body need to get ready to fight it? Or are you, you know, freeze and stuck and can't do anything? So, um, so for my sister, like I said, the stress resolved itself on its own. People have different responses to stress. Not only do they have different responses, but they have different recovery times, right? So maybe somebody else, it might be just an instance of stress, but it might take them two or three, four more minutes. So when that um, initial stress response is triggered, um, different hormones are released into your body, adrenaline, glucose, cortisol are the ones that I talk about in the training. Adrenaline is, um, you know, what your body needs to have that boost of energy. Glucose is sugar, and that's um, what your body is using to burn for that energy. And um, this is why. Is that, is that why? Can I ask you a question? Uh -huh. Is that why after a, an anxiety attack you feel very tired and like 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 deeply tired? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe every everybody has a different feeling to that right no no um, people do have um different reactions you know everybody reacts differently um but yes because your body has exuded an extreme amount of energy sometimes you know um the the anxiety the um so so um i'm getting to that <laughs> okay okay Sorry. so um <laughs> so the different hormones ad adrenaline glucose and cortisol right 
this is why diabetics um, really need to make sure they stay calm because if they get mm. triggered, then they can have, um, you know, spikes in their sugar without even having eaten anything. Um, wow. Right. And um, African-Americans lead the statistics in, you know, cancer, diabetes, heart disease. Eight out of the 10 um, leading causes of death for African-Americans, eight out of 10 of them um, are preventable. And people don't realize that. Why are they preventable? Um, if you think about um, high blood pressure, you think about diabetes, um, that is severely affected by your diet, right? Uh, your stress levels. Um, right. So right. you think about those, those are behaviors. Your diet is a behavior. And um, you being triggered is, um, you know, your environment, something that, you know, your behavior, how you respond to something that that's a behavior if you can get control of um your stress level and trauma and your mental then you get control of the physical as well there's an undeniable um correlation and connection between your mental health and physical health and this is why um right now currently conscious voices um has a campaign going on for bringing african-american integrated healthcare center to oakland um, because when you have your health care and your mental um, and your me mental health care combined, it improves your outcomes. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know, it's no wonder or mystery why there isn't an African-American health care center in Alameda County. Um, even though we have the lowest life expectancy rate and we lead the statistics, you know, yet there are two... Um, Latino American health centers. There are two Asian American health centers and one Native American health center. All the other major ethnic groups have their health care centers, but the people who need it the most, the people who you said your services, you know, don't work for, we don't have a health care center. So, um, so back to what's going on in your body when um, the stress response is triggered. So, um, you know, the glucose mm -hmm. is released. Um, the other hormone that I'll talk about, because there are other things that happen. This is a brief, you know, this is a, a condensed um, version of the curriculum and the research to be able to give it to our people again to, to start somewhere. You know, say, hey, think about this. You know, let's talk about this and, you know, come back and see what else we're doing over here. Um So those are some of the uh, hormones. Um, The other hormone I talk about is cortisone. Cortisone. Um, is a very unique hormone because when that's released, um, what that does is it tells the body to shut down the immune system and the digestive system. And the reason is because if this dog oh. is coming at us full speed, we're diverting all of our energy to this threat. We're you know, we need to focus on that. We don't need to focus on the coronavirus or cancer or pneumonia or the flu germ coming, you know, to get us. We don't even focus on that because if this dog gets us, we're dead. So, um, again, this is when the stress response is triggered. Um, all these all these things happen. So if we're a people that's stressed out and, you know, has a lot of trauma then every single time we're triggered, our heart starts beating fast, 
That means our immune system is being shut down. That means our digestive system is being shut down. Our digestive system is being shut down constantly, continuously. We're not digesting the food and we're not expelling the waste. You know, all the waste is stuff that our body doesn't need. So we're not getting rid of it. It's sitting in our gut and it's um, fermenting. You know, it's toxicity inside of us that's just sitting there. Um, other things that happen when the stress response is triggered is um, your heart rate increases, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases. Um, and not only that, you become or some some psychological effects that can happen would be being hypervigilant, being hyper aroused, um, irritable, and it also can cause um, insomnia. So hypervigilant, what that is, is when you're constantly looking for a threat. So the dog has come, um, but the dog is gone now. The owner came and got it. But I'm still hypervigilant. I'm still triggered. I'm still looking around. I'm trying to see, is it another dog? Where did that dog come from? Is the owner really, you know, got, I'm still looking, thinking something bad is going to happen. You know, my sister, she chilling. She's laughing at me, right? Um. You don't, mm -hmm. and then hyperarousal is when you're, you know, just overactive, antsy, you know, ready. Um, in our language, you know, hyphy. <laughs> you triggered. You moving around. You know, right. you jumping. You you ready. You know, <laughs> you jumped on the car. You just you doing a lot. You you know, um, you're hyperarousal, yeah. right? So you don't need to be hyperarousal to be hypervigilant, and um, you don't need to be hypervigilant to be hyperarousal. Um, so I'll give you an example. Let's say you go to somebody's house and, um, you know, your friend takes you to their friend's house, but you've never been there. And you don't really like going to new places, um, you know, going inside of people's house that you don't know. So immediately you're triggered. Your heart starts racing because maybe you had a bad experience before, you know, going into some or you were just raised that way to be leery of going into new houses. Right. But you're triggered. You know, you're in survival mode now or you're, you know, um, you're you're looking for a threat, right? Because that's either you're, you're um, triggered by something else in your past or you're brought up that way, whatever. But you're not hyphy. You're standing there calm as can be, but your eyes are scanning yeah. the room and your heart is beating fast, right? Just by walking into somebody's house mm -hmm. that your homeboy saying that, you know, they're cool, come on. You know, they're cool. This is my cousin, whatever. But you ain't never been there before. So automatically, you know, new places... And it can be anything, a new job, a new school, what have you. Um, but your heart beating, um, your heart rate increasing, that's your body telling you something's different, something changed. So this is how our amygdala has been getting us in trouble. Um, our amygdala has been getting us in trouble because it, initially it was designed, you know, to help us. It was designed to cause us to become um, extra alert when there's a perceived threat, you know, to, to prepare us right, to right. either, you know, fight, um, to prepare us to run away or again, freeze. Maybe the freeze, you know, um, as we're evolving was us camouflaging or something, or maybe the freeze is just, you know, if I don't say nothing or do nothing, it'll just go away. Cause some people think like that. Right. Um, but the amygdala there doesn't need to be an actual threat there for it to be triggered. So the, the amygdala mm. isn't differentiating between the real or the perceived or the imagined. So 
So how many times have you caused yourself to be, you know, uptight, heart beating just by thinking of a scenario? Right. So again, this. Can I interrupt real quick? Just I want to. I want to say. I want to say this because it's. It, <laughs> I don't want. Well. If I feel like you're talking directly to me, I suffer from from hypertension. Yeah, me too. <laughs> hypertension, uh, um, anxiety, and um, and I have a lot of uh, uh, digestion problems as well. And one of the things that I, in a way, kind of just feel like this is just normal. You know, like I'm sure that's that's why a lot of people don't get treatment because you feel, even though it does, you know, I do get nervous uh, of certain. Uh, places or that I go or, or, you know, when starting a new job, my sleep is thrown off completely for, for a couple of weeks or, uh, something, uh, life change. It just, it, stuff like that. It just, I feel like, uh, maybe part of the reason why I, I guess people just think these are all just no, normal things. They're not normal. It's your body talking to you saying, you know, something's not cool. So your body, so, so that, that's one thing that, you know, we don't realize that we are designed so beautifully, you know, um, we're, we really are designed so beautifully, but we've been, um, blinded or, you know, whatever you want to say, we've been disconnected, bamboozled. We, whatever the saying is that you want to say, put there, we've been yeah. um grossly disadvantaged um you know just neglected when it comes to the knowledge of who we are so mm. um if you think about what I what I was just saying so our body is so smart right that when a threat comes it's saying hey like it's already judging and deciding saying you know we need to take care of that right there so it diverts all of its energy, you know, to taking care of you. So we're the body's like, I'm here to save you. I'm here to save your life. Our immune system is there for a reason, you know. Um, but in that instance, it's like, no, that dog, that threat, that trumps, you know, that we'll take care of that later. Um, oh, our, our body uh, talks, to, talks to us in so many different ways. Mm. So, like, it's, you know, if you ever, for... oh, go ahead, go ahead. Excuse me for a second, Sandra, but just for our listeners at home, I, I just got to say, I'm, I, question we're having right now about trauma, but for folks at home who may be hearing you discuss the traumatic moments and they say, well, you know, let's say in particular for people who are listening, who may not have these kinds of experience, who maybe live like we'll say in the suburbs, they may say, well, everyone has some kind of trauma has been scared at some point. What's the issue? And and correct me if I'm wrong, Sandra, but I would say to the listeners at home is that what is happening to our folks, you know, black folks that live in urban areas, is that they're exposed to this trauma on a consistent basis, right? That's exactly. Guns go off like, you know, like guns go off in some neighborhoods like once a week. People are rushed to the emergency room you know, multiple times, multiple people have died, you know, fights go off all the time and kids grow up in that environment, which is not what you have in the suburbs. So it's like if you're exposed to the and, same and then, trauma, like every, almost every day, 
your brain doesn't have the time to recover to recover. Like if you, let's say if you were living in a small town in rural Texas and you had one thing happen to you when you were five, like a rattlesnake almost bit you or did bite you, you, your brain will have enough time to recover if nothing traumatic happens for the next 10 years. But we're talking about people who experience this dang near every day. So they're in a constant state then, of what you're describing, right? Oh, yeah, that, then, that's that, exactly right. There's something called complex PTSD. And um, the research also says that um, protective factors mitigate the damage or, you know, the exposure, the, you know, the negative effects of trauma and those protective factors, when I when I talk about it in the training, I call them, you know, breaks. You get breaks from the stress or the trauma. Um, but the protective factors are things like, um, you know, safe homes, safe schools, attentive parents, resources. And the number one um, protective factor that, um, you know, white people have is profiling. They don't you know, they don't have to deal with that stressful um, situation of profiling. And can I, can I ask you one more thing to, to add on to, to what the things that you're mentioning? I was just reading about this earlier. Uh, may, I wanted to ask you about it. Intergenerational trauma. Yep, that, um, so the other types of trauma, um, and I go over this, um, it looks like this, the, it'll be more of a discussion instead of like a training style. But um, so there's there's a single there can be a single, you know, instance of trauma. Then there can be chronic trauma. Um, so the single instance of trauma would be like, you know, the dog, the dog attack. Right. A single instance of trauma. Right. For my sister, it was just a single um, it was just a stressful moment because she, you know, she recovered from that. But for me, I didn't. Then there's the um, the chronic trauma. Chronic trauma are things like bullying or abusive, you know, domestic violence type relationships, or, you know, and you can be bullied um, at home, you can be bullied at work, not, it, it bully, bullying doesn't just happen at school. Um, and right. then there's the um, intergenerational trauma. Intergenerational trauma has to do with learned behaviors, um, and this is also, can be connected to um, historical trauma. Um, historical trauma is anything that has to do with discrimination, slavery, um, and the reason why intergenerational trauma can be directly connected to historical trauma, um, you know, being learned behavior. So um, let's say, for instance, and my um, my kids on my kids' side of the family, their side of the family, several of their siblings are different, you know, shades, some lighter, some darker, and um, their dad, and I didn't even think too much of it um, back then, but now I think about it all the time when I do my trainings, but their dad would um, call the two darker children, you know, blackie. Um, but that's something that his mom and dad did to him. And it's something that his grandparents did to them, you know, calling each other, um, black, oh, come here, you little black ass, come here. Um, so these are learned behaviors, but they're, um, they're traumatic for that, for that child, um, for us as a people in general. Um, other examples of it is say, like, if me and my sister are fighting, 
about my mom in front of my children. You know, there's three different generations and we're modeling to my children, you know, how we resolve conflict, you know, by fighting. Um, and those are, you know, traumatic instances. The, um, the other type of trauma, there's epigenetic trauma. And epigenetic trauma is when you can actually see the trauma gene, you know, in your DNA. So the studies that have been done around that were around um, the Jewish community and the Holocaust and also um, um, looking at the blood of people in America who are descendants of West Africans and then going, they went to Africa and got blood samples from West Africans who had not made the Middle Passage. And what the research is saying is that even you know if you have that gene you don't automatically have an overactive amygdala um but you have the potential of expressing that gene um so yes some people are naturally normally born with that overactive amygdala with that overactive um response to information so if you if you're if you're constantly in that part of your brain you're automatically cut off from your neocortex so again from an evolutionary standpoint our amygdala which is also referred to as our first brain our lizard brain that developed first mm -hmm. and then um our neocortex developed um but when the stress response is triggered you're automatically cut off from your neocortex your neocortex is where all the higher functions happen, um, conscious thought, reasoning, language, um, spatial reasoning. So you're cut off from there and you're, li you're lizard brain mode, right? You're making poor decisions. All these hormones are being released. Um, you're hyper act, you know, hyper aroused, you're hyper vigilant, you know, all these different things happen. And again, how you were saying, um, being exposed to all these different trauma factors over and over again that's the complex ptsd and what that is is when you're exposed to varied and multiple traumatic events over and over um if you look at the average um let's say you look at the average 20 year old in oakland right if they've lived in oakland for 10 years and oakland has been having a murder rate, an average murder rate of 100 deaths per year, that 20-year-old has the potential of being exposed to a 1,000 murders. Why? And this is in the research. You don't have to have known the person that got killed, um, but just being exposed to all these different things, the difference. And you said shootings once a week. You know, where, where I grew up in East Oakland, um, that's like daily like you hear gunshots like you hear you know the birds chirping or something but um you know you're exposed to the the, the sirens the um the, the shootings the um, you know different kind of sirens be it ambulance police fire truck you see the candles on the ground walking to school you go to school you hear that it's your friend's cousin or you know, you go, you hear it on the news right before you go to school. Um, so there's just several different. Um... Uh, one thing I know, 
uh, I'll say uh, on a personal level, and maybe you see this, it, it, it's uh, go- constantly going to funerals definitely has a, ha- had an impact on me. <laughs> right. Not only that, but seeing, you know, the T-shirts and, and then even on social media, you know, different times you yeah. just have to get off social media because every single for one period, I remember um, in 2018 for about two months straight, it was every week. It was somebody new. Everybody, you know, it was somebody that if I didn't know them personally, my best friend knew them personally. So my best friend's hurting. I'm hurting. Right. Uh-huh. How do you think? Yeah. Uh, are you guys able to hear me? How do you how do you think um, will uh, the the country will respond to to mass shootings? I don't know what you mean. Like you know, well, well, if you like you said, if you live in Oakland, you you hear gunshots all the time, um, and so I personally have started to kind of um, fil- filter that information. Where it's like, do I want to go to a place that that has huge gatherings, right? Because of mass shootings, and I was wondering if you think that like it'll be something that that everybody thinks about. Oh, you mean like being afraid to go to a gathering because of mass shootings? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. in other words, is everybody now, or a lot of people more now? Uh, it cut out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, are you asking like, is everybody now more, in a way, they're experiencing what we experience in the hood? Yes, thank you, JD. You you worded it better. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I, because that's one thing I did hear someone say. It's uh, you know, those mass shootings, in a way, now the the nation got to experience what someone in the inner city experiences daily. Um, would you agree with that assessment? Um, me personally, I might be a little jaded when it comes to thinking about, um, the entire country. Like you got to ask me specifically, um, like the African-American community or like, cause I personally don't think that the whole country ever gets jaded off anything like that. I think that as a, as a whole, I think the whole country, you know, is, is, is used like, you know, it happens and they're on to the next. It's such a um, microwave type of society. Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and going back to what you were mentioning earlier, um, with, you know, with um a lot of people i'm sure there's like especially in growing up in you know like we grew up in you know i grew up in richmond and you you know there's multiple things that they can experience because you know so it's it's it really hard to narrow it down for some people what it is exactly like what was the trauma since there's so much happening oh absolutely i talked to like i talked to my friend one time and um you know i try to encourage her to you know find a therapist or you know you know talk about it and she's like i have no idea um 
why you know why I'm crying one day she was just talking about doing the laundry and just out of nowhere she just broke down and started crying and I think that's more common than not um not even knowing where to start and that's um and that's why I said you know starting off with listening to your body um paying attention um when I do my trauma training circles I open it up with a meditation because meditation has been scientifically proven to repair and improve brain function. Um, And then I also go into, um, you know, how I treated myself. I was in a domestic violence relationship for uh, um, about nine years. And towards the end, um, he became very controlled. He had become very controlling and I wasn't, you know, allowed to really go anywhere, do anything. And I didn't, um, you know, I didn't argue with it. I really tried to convince myself, um, like, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? You have everything here. Um, you know, we had, I lived in a large home. I had, um, you know, trampoline, acreage, a pond, um, you know, just whatever my own art room, just whatever I, you know, I tried to convince myself I didn't you, need to go anywhere, right? You, so you um, were a, a bird in a gilded cage, right? So, um, so hmm. I had a cancer diagnosis in 2018, and when I had that cancer diagnosis, I was trying to figure out, um, you know, well, damn, how the hell this happened to me, you know, because I was only, um, 30 how old am I I was only um 34 so um and then I had you know I had young kids and so I'm trying to figure out like damn why this happened to me so I started doing a bunch of research and this ties into how I started working with conscious voices um so I started doing a bunch of research and um and this is part of why I do the training so this isn't so, so this research comes from the research that Cheryl Cranshaw has done, Conscious Voices has done as an organization, but it's also research that I've read on my own. So um, for me, it was like a no-brainer. You know, it's not something that, you know, somebody's just telling me, here, this is what it is, go tell, go tell them and, you know, say it this way. No, I've lived it, I've read it myself, and I understand it. Um, and this is why a lot of us are getting sicker, younger, why a lot of us are, you know, dying younger, you know, African-Americans, not only yeah. African-Americans, but Latinos are right behind African-Americans, um, you know, getting sicker, younger and um, and dying younger. Our immune system has been severely compromised. Our body has um, been worn down with this um, excess amount of hormones being released into our systems. Um, it affects our sleeping patterns. It causes insomnia. Why? You've, if you're having adrenaline pumped through you throughout the day, you know, hell no, you're not going to be able to go to sleep, right? Um, and if you're right. not able to go to sleep, then your body can't repair itself because that's when your body heals itself when it's sleeping. So um, not only is your immune system shutting down, but now your body's not repairing itself because you're not sleeping um, because, you know, you have insomnia. You're also more irritable. So it affects every single thing. Every, it affects your relationships, you know, trauma and stress of you know, I, I want to say this because we had a guest when we first started the podcast and he, he shared with us his, his uh, cancer story. And uh, one of the things that he said was a contributing factor to it was a, a, 
a change in his hormones. And he's a young guy. He was in his in his thirties, late thirties. I don't know if you guys remember. Um, uh, but that that's crazy that you're mentioning this because uh, yeah, he he also had cancer, and like you said, it was a it was a hormone, uh, I guess, imbalance or or just a change in his hormones that caused that. So you're saying that a constant, like the constant fluctuation of of, of emotions, uh, if you're struggling with mental health can cause, I mean, that can cause a lot of the problems that, that are hurting us, uh, overeating, diabetes. Uh, pre- the list goes on. So eight out, of the, on. The, eight out of the, um, the top 10 things that we die from are preventable and they're preventable. Like I was saying, because it's connected to, you know, your behavior. So let's say you're, you're triggered, you're stressed out. What do a lot of us go do? We want to eat or we want to self medicate, right? Drinking, Drink. smoking, any type yeah, of all drink, that self-medication, smoking. right? Because we want to take our mind off of it. We want to do something else, right? Um, so these are all behaviors. Um, and if you're, you know, if you can change your behavior, then um, you can change what's going on inside of your body. Um, and I keep, I don't want to forget this. So you know how uh, um, I was saying that our bodies talk to us. Our bodies are, you know, are designed beautifully. So, yeah. um, you ever heard, you know, people say, trust mm-hmm. your gut, like that saying doesn't come from anywhere. You know, it doesn't just come out of the blue. Um, our stomach is kind of like our second brain. Um, and sometimes in a lot of cases, um, especially nowadays with, um, can, can you repeat that again? Our stomach. What, uh, what was the second brain? Our stomach. Mm, our stomach. So, yeah. um, you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, you go somewhere and something something doesn't feel right. You know, you feel, you know, you feel something in your stomach. Um, you know, none of this is a coincidence. Our, um, our feet and our hands and our ears, all of those places have the nerve endings to every other part and organ in our body. Um so if you there's a certain part on your foot you can touch it or if that part is sore um you can look up a foot chart and it'll connect it to a different part of your body um so if you're saying like you're having a lot of problems um you know with your digestion um if you look up the foot chart yeah if you look up the foot chart um, you know it'll show you like what part of your foot to massage um to be able to help with that you can also like acupuncture. Oh. Um, there's a, a um, part of acupuncture that deals with placing seeds on your ears. And that's because, um, you know, on both sides of your ear, when you combine both, both of your ears, um, every part of them is connected to a different organ and part of your body. Um, so, but yeah, no, I wanted to go back with, um, go back to, you know, me trying to figure out like, how did this happen to me? And, you know, what can I do about it to help, you know, to help myself during this treatment process of, you know, healing myself with cancer, curing, you know, getting ready to go through, um, you know, chemotherapy and all this stuff to heal myself of cancer. Um, so that's when I read right. like, wow, you know, your immune system is directly connected to how you feel. Um, you know, when you're, when you're stressed, you're triggered, you suppress your immune system. When you're sad, you know, you suppress your immune system. 
when you're happy, your immune system is happy. You know, it sounds um, like kind of common sense, but people don't think about it in, in those terms. Right. Like, you know, the happier. I think we're very some in a certain certain aspects we're very far from common right sense no but this is society, like i said this know? is if you True. want to research you know don't take my word for it you know look it up and, and go study and go research right, right. um research it for yourself and so um so then i had to start paying attention to when my heart started beating fast right and you wouldn't believe like all the shit that <laughs> was causing my heart to start beating fast like oh my gosh i was being triggered multiple multiple times a day every single day because i live with him i didn't go anywhere he didn't um i can't say he didn't go anywhere but you know he was there every night he he was never he never missed a, a night of being home right so um i was being triggered every single day and i and i want to say for the last um maybe maybe at least um 325 days every year for like the last um three years of our relationship and i think back to all that like i could definitely like see and remember when you know every day i was eating a pint of ice cream you know i was um looking in the mirror and like my face um began to start looking gray like i remember these things um like oh my gosh um you know, my immune system just being being gone for, for years, right? So um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they one of the examples that I give, and it's several examples, because, you know, it's been a long journey of, um, of healing and just different stuff. I'm not with him anymore. Um, you know, I've been out of that relationship for over... Um, yes, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, congrats. Yeah. Happy so, for you. Um, <laughs> So before I before I go into um, you know identifying my triggers and healing myself of this trauma, um, other ways to heal trauma or um, you know going to a therapist they they set up a treatment plan for you and they have different um, modality modalities that they use. Um, like I said, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not trained in in that. Um, but I've gone to therapy, so I know some of them. You know, like art therapy. Um, what art therapy does is um, when you combine words and emotions um, with colors, you're activating both sides of your brain. Um, when you're activating those sides of your brain, you're taking yourself out of um, your amygdala and you're creating new neural pathways. Um, when you create new neural pathways, that's healing and therapeutic because um, it's kind of like rewriting your brain. But I'll explain that more in a second. Um, music therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, anytime you exercise, anytime you play an instrument and you're using, you know, your left hand and your right hand, you're activating, um, you know, different parts of your brain. And again, you're taking yourself out of the amygdala. Um, there's aromatherapy, there's storytelling and, um, journaling. Journaling was one of the things that I'm um, one of the tools that I used. So, um, so now if you think about your brain as a field of grass, right? And every time you cross, every time you do yeah. anything, you cross that field of grass and you're creating a new neural pathways. Some things that we have done over and over again mm -hmm. to where, you know, it's a permanent part in our brain and we don't have to create a new neural pathway for that because we do it so often. Right. It's automatic. You don't have to think to do it. Um, Muscle memory. 
Right. So, um, so, so, so let's yeah, say, um, okay. you know, I identify one of my triggers and one of my triggers was, um, his phone ringing. So every time his phone rang, I noticed like my heart would start beating really fast. Like, Oh wow. So I paid attention to that. Like, damn, why am I triggered? You know, again, remember when we're triggered, we're perceiving something as a threat. Um, right. Um, and it can be real or it can be imagined. So, um, so I started trying to figure this out. Like, why am I looking at his phone as a threat? So I thought about it like, damn, you know, how many arguments have we had over his phone? Right. Um, and what was one of the biggest arguments we had? What happened, right? Um, so let's say one time, and when I say so, let's say like I'm. These are things that actually happened. I just don't remember the order or exactly when. Um, but one of the arguments, you know, um, you know, we're arguing. I'm accusing him of cheating, or who is this woman, or whatever. And he's like, you know, I, ha- I don't have the right to question him. And now I'm like, you know, can I trust him? Um, we already have kids together. Um, do I want to, you know, do I want to leave? You know, all these end of the world type of thoughts start happening. Like, you know, if I can't trust them, then I'm going to forever not be happy. And if I leave them, then I got to go, you know, do I have to go to a shelter? Because I lived um, very far away from, I didn't have any family or friends where I lived. Um, you know, am I going to have to go to court to fight for custody? Um you know, I'm going to have to start all over. I'm going to be on my own. You know, I'm going to lose my my um, my resources. I'm going to be homeless. You know, the kids are going to be hurt. They're going to be mad at me. All these end of the world type, you know, thoughts happen from that one argument of us. Um, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be with you no more. You know, whatever happened, it, it gets so bad to where I'm thinking I don't want to be with them. And if I think I don't want to be with them anymore, then all these other thoughts come. Right. So I'm stressed out again. The brain, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can't it can't differentiate between a perceived threat or a real threat. So just because I feel all scared and freaked out, you know, my, my body, every cell in my body is scared and freaked out, right? Um, so now, so bam, we, yeah. we don't resolve that issue. We stop arguing. I don't leave and we just go to sleep and then we have sex and it's the next day, right? Um, but I'm associating all that with the phone ringing, right? So now that has become not just a stressful situation, but that has become a traumatic event for me. And I don't even know it. I don't even realize it, right? So how how long was that going on? I have no idea. I have no idea when that threat, when the phone became a threat to me. I just know all of a sudden now I realize that it's a trigger for me. My heart's racing and I need to do something about it. So, um, anytime we respond to a threat differently, we create a new neural pathway in our brain, right? So before that phone rings, I go down that same path, down that same path is all the end of the world, you know? Um, so now that I'm reading and I'm like, okay, wow. So I I need to respond differently because when I respond differently, then I'm going to create a new path. So let's see some of the things that I did. Phone ring. I go to the bathroom and splash water on my face. You know, that helps for a second. We might have argued later on that day, right? But when that phone rang, I did go to the bathroom. Mm. I splashed water on my face. What I do, next time the phone ring, I went outside, you know, did 10 jumping jacks, right? 
next time the phone rang, I went downstairs to the kitchen and I ate something, right? Again, remember, you know, our stress and trauma can cause us to, you know, um, form, you know, other unhealthy habits. Um, Like overeating. Yeah. Right. So, um, so bam, the phone ring, what I do. Or or react. Or what? Oh, no, no. So you're saying, so instead of just reacting to it because of the, the, the fear it brings on you, you, you do something different to kind of, uh. What, what did that do for you? The the it, it, just, it, it just disrupted. You yeah, it disrupted you. my thought patterns. So before, okay. remember the phone uh, rang. The phone rings, and I go down yeah. that path. Who who is that calling him? You know, is that is that that same woman? Is it a new woman? If it is somebody new, you know, I can't do this relationship. Oh my gosh, how long am I gonna stay in this relationship? No, I can't do this, man. I gotta leave. But if I wanna leave, then I gotta, um, you know, where am I gonna go? I don't know nobody out here. I'm gonna have to go to a shelter. If I go to a shelter, then I'm gonna have to go to custody. Then my kids, um, you know, I don't uh, have no money. I don't have no job. I don't got nothing saved up. Then I have to get a lawyer. I don't got no money, right? So when the phone rings it's a threat. It sends me down that path. That that's what I'm used to doing. How many times, you know, does something happen and you had how many conversations, you know, the the same conversation you've had, you know, how many times it, it can be anything, you know, um, let's say you have a dysfunctional family and every single time, you know, your cousin comes over, it's the same argument about how your mama didn't, you know, give his mama, you know, the money they owe. Every single time. So then y'all had the same argument. Your heart's racing. Um, you know, whatever. So before the phone would ring, yeah. and either I had the argument with him or I had the argument inside of myself. Right? So what I'm doing right. is I go splash the water on my face. I am disrupting that argument inside of my brain. I'm disrupting me going down that path, and I'm doing something new. I'm thinking a new thought. That's, yeah, that's a, that sounds really good. I, I, um, I I had this, this, uh, Native American friend who told me that they, in his tribe, I forgot the name, they believe that whenever you want to react to something out of either anger or fear or, or, you know, stress, um, your first initial thought usually isn't the one to react with and it's best to step away and do something, either a walk or, 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 you know, think about what you're going to say uh for at least uh five minutes or, or more and then react because that first initial thought you're you're reacting in fear or, or anger right is that kind of like it sort of reminded me of what you just said um because yeah i i and you know i know in relationship when uh you know into a fight <laughs> which you know people who are in relationship know and and um you answer it and even the way even if it if you're expecting it from them based on the past but they're not coming at you with that with what you thought they were you can kind of be nasty and, and you know like the same goes hurt people hurt, hurt people, people hurt people yep yep so it you know yeah so uh on on the other other what i was going to say on in by not handling this in yourself, you can become the the person who hurts other yes. people. Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. Yep. So again, you know, 
when when you're triggered, when you find yourself being triggered, you find yourself, you know, heartbeating, racing, um, Mm-hmm. You know, take take as many, you know, deep breaths as possible and, and do something else, and you know, um, to calm yourself down. Um, breathing, like I said, meditation is, is, is focusing on your breath. It's, um, you know, some people feel like. That, that's, that's, yeah. That's confusing. What is meditating? Is it like a form of prayer? Am I supposed to be saying something? What, for you, is it concentrating on the breathing? Concentrating on the brain. This is what I tell people. Um, you know, anything that you've done in life, whatever it is, what you know, let's say you're first learning how to drive a car. You know, the first couple of times you're not gonna really know what you're doing. You're gonna be nervous. Am I doing this right? Oh my god, whatever, right? But the more practice that you, you know, give yourself on driving, the better you get at it. So meditation is just like that. Um, meditation is, again, focusing on your breath. That's where you start off at. Um, you can meditate on anything. Let's say, you 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 know, um, you think about the actual definition of what meditate is. You know, it's to focus on something, to think on something. And people say, oh, I, you know, I thought meditation, you're not supposed to think about anything. And you're not, you're supposed to clear your brain out and you're supposed to, you know, there's so many different misconceptions of what meditation is. If you just focus on your breathing, because um, if you think about it, breathing is everything. If if you have no breath, you have no life. You know, breathing is the foundation of who we are. We um, we focus on so many other things. Um, you know, from a girl, a woman's perspective, well, we focus on our hair, we focus on our nails, we focus on our clothes, um, our makeup, what have you. When was the last time you checked on your breath? How are you breathing right now? Are you breathing shallow? When was the last time you actually took a deep breath? Um, you know, breathing is everything. So that that's what I focus on when I um, when I tell people, you know, how to meditate. You can meditate while you're jogging. You can meditate while you're taking a shower, taking a Mm. bath. Um, I actually love to meditate while I'm cooking because I think it makes my food taste better. And I, you know, I practice, you know, really just blessing my food and infusing love in it. And we're really um, energy. We're energy. We're we're vibrating at a certain frequency. And... um, you know, we really need to get back to the basics. And, you know, I made the, the, the comment of common sense. And I'm not sure who said it, but they were like, yeah, we're getting away from common sense. But, yeah, again, you know, meditation, yeah. just focus on your breathing. You can, um, when, you're take, when you're taking the breath in, you say to yourself, you know, mentally, as I breathe in, I breathe in. And then you exhale as I breathe out, I breathe out. And, um, you know, you start there. Start with the minute. I just took a, I just took a deep breath as you said that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll say this. You've already uh, started the work. I didn't focus on my breathing as much as I do now that I have to wear a mask most of the time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 uh, 
I, I realized how, I mean, you know, I never really put thought into it. At one point, the only time I took deep breaths was when I was like smoking, you know? So, um, <laughs> but it's, it's such a simple thing that I, I never really put that much thought into it. And, and, uh, <laughs> um, I think that's the case for not, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who think that way. It was like, they see that as, and I've heard this before from a lot of people and I myself have said it, some hippie shit. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that too. Right. No, it, it's not. It's some, um, you know, it's something that imagine if you were brought up and raised to incorporate meditation in your life daily, as simple as, you know, um, everybody brush their teeth, you brush your teeth. All right. Did you breathe for a minute after you brushed your teeth? You know, anything, you know, anything. Just imagine um, what kind of person you think you would be if you'd been meditating as, you know, as a practice as a child your whole life. Right. Yeah. When you say music therapy, um, um, no, when I is say that music just listening therapy, to music? Um, I specifically mean playing music an instrument when you're activate, you know, you're using your left hand and your right hand. Um, when you combine, you know, explaining or, you know, trying to like lyrics, writing lyrics, adding it to melodies. Um, it, it really goes into activating different parts of your brain. So if you're just, if you're hearing music, cause I, cause I don't want to limit, you know, limit music and limit the power of music at all. Um, and then, too, I want to try to make sure I stay consistent with the quote-unquote research, right? Um, but I don't really don't do that either. Um, so we all know that sometimes you're feeling bummy and you listen to a song and that can change your whole mood. That can change everything. Like We know this for a fact. We don't need no research to say anything about that, right? So that is therapeutic. That's therapy. Of course, that's music therapy. You know what I mean? So it's, um, mm-hmm. um, and it can do the opposite too. Music can make you, um, feel low and feel shitty. Like, oh, why that, um, why they turn that song on? You know what I mean? Um, for, for a long while, I could not listen to love songs, period. Any love song, because I didn't believe in that shit no more. And it was it triggered me, right? Um, and and um, I didn't get it. I didn't get that because some people are like, you know, they can't watch anything gory or anything like. And I'm, um, not that I can't watch it. Like I don't want to. I don't want to watch. I used to be a big, huge, you know, violent. I mean, not violent, but into horror movies and stuff like that. Primarily because my ex really liked that, mm. and um. I grew up on, you know, Freddy Krueger. Like, I like those movies. So, because I like those movies as a kid and he was into horror movies, I'm like, oh, and I meshed it. But now I'm very selective on um, on anything violent because I understand and realize mm-hmm. how much violent is, violence is already just in our DNA. Like, I don't need to add to that shit. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't... It, yeah. <laughs> how much, you know, so... Right. Yeah, no. He, he, he here at the voice party, we're very against horror films in general. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're, we're, we're big fans. Film. 
yeah, you know I'm she kidding. listens, right? I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. No, what I was gonna say oh, is uh, okay. uh, one of the things that I know, especially with trauma, like, um, I mean, I will, I was gonna ask you because uh, personal experience. Like you can associate certain things w- with your trauma that can trigger it, whether it's a song that's playing or a movie that's playing. So it, it it's like, man, it's just crazy how triggers can literally be right, anywhere. Right? No. Or or a, a. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They can be. Yep, you're absolutely right. I. I, no, I was gonna say I had so many triggers in my um, when last you, relationship. Sorry, it's ridiculous. I realized when he pulled up because he drove a truck. When I heard the truck pull up, I'm triggered. Like, damn. So when you come home, I'm triggered. Like, I, I'm, you know, no wonder yeah. why when you be coming home, like, arguments happen. Because, again, I'm cut off from, you know, my higher functioning part of my brain. I'm making poor decisions. Um, and I'm, I'm, I can't even, I can't think logically or reason or anything. I'm in my lizard brain, right? So that's where so much um you know black on black crime i hate you know people when people say oh well what about black on black crime like no you gotta understand what's going on like how can you not expect people to be um to act and be a certain way when they're living in these conditions so what's happening is you know so many of us um so you know how you can see if you can see somebody if they're missing a limb right you can clearly see that with your eyes somebody's missing their leg Mm -hmm. and um you're at the door you're gonna hold it open for them whether they have um a prosthetic leg and can walk without a walker or you know most the most um you know on average the person you know you're gonna hold the door open right you can see that with your eyes with Mm -hmm. us we can't see into each other's brain and it's kind of almost like all of us in some shape or way you know if you're if you grew up in um you know the ghetto the hood a poor you know i mean really kind of growing up black in america or a minority like you can oh, so many different things can you know have you have ptsd but anyway, like, you know, we, we we can't see that and we can't see into each other's brain. And if you start, you know, just start thinking about, um, you know, what all of us have, have gone through and lived through and experienced, um, my hope is that we begin to have more compassion for one another or we're able to identify, um, you know, when someone else is triggered. So... You know, if you're able to identify when someone's triggered, maybe they're talking loud and waving their arms. Like, that's a clear sign that somebody's triggered. Um, you know, don't engage with them. Like, don't even try to communicate with that person because they're in their lizard brain and they're cut off from their neocortex. So they can't even have a logical conversation with you anyway. You know, but a lot of times our egos jump in and we're not about to let this person, you know, whatever. Wow. And now we're triggered. Um, but, you know, the the more, like I said, the more trauma informed we are, hopefully, you know, A, we, um, we make it more comfortable for others to talk about it, you know, B, when we talk about it together and come together, you know, that's a protective factor. Um, 
you know, that helps mitigate the trauma, knowing that, you know, somebody, you know, somebody's out there doing this work is another protective factor. Because if, you know, we're a people together, part of a community and part of us is out there trying to help us, then we feel like, oh, somebody got our back out there, right? So the more we know, and that's another myth, the the other myth is um, that, you know, we're not out there trying to improve our conditions. No, that's a myth. We're out there. We're just, we're spread out and we need to learn how to connect and support each other better. Um, But we are out there. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I also wanted to to add this in. Um, You know, there are probably some listeners out there who are, you know, we got some some black and brown listeners out there who may not necessarily live in the hood. They may live, you know, more like the, the Cosby's, like the Huxtables, right? But even they are subject to at least some level of trauma. Like, I'll give an example. You're watching the news, and you hear about another uh, incident of police brutality. That affects you, because it's like, even if you never, ever have to deal with gunshots going off in your neighborhood every other day, you have to live with the fact, the constant reminder that just because you look um, a certain way, regardless of where you live or where you come from, that the police are probably looking to get you, you know what I mean? And it it could be, you know, you may not even think that way on the surface, but it's like a subconscious thing. So then you start seeing police officers patrolling your neighborhood, and that could be a trigger for someone who's probably never even been in trouble in their entire lives or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Trauma does not discriminate at all. Trauma does Mm. not, you know, so a lot of, um, you know, white people, they deal with trauma. All the trauma just started, you know, really think about it. Trauma wasn't being talked about in the black community at all. When we first started hearing about PTSD, that was associated with the war vets, right? And yeah. so yep. when we first started hearing about that, it was like, um, yeah, PTSD, that's for white people. You know, that's not, or I don't know, at least for me, it was For like, veterans, at least. Yeah, you know, like, you you didn't have a right to talk about having PTSD. Like you suck that shit up and you keep it pushing. Right, because if you like, if you weren't my, at, my grandpa, if you weren't at war, you was, got no excuse. That's kind of the yeah. the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I, I had a grandfather that served over in Vietnam, and he he did not like to talk about that, but I understand he had some nightmares um, when I was growing up. So I I have like a a tiny peek. In, into what that's like because you, you can't read a person's mind right you kind of know yeah you know and, and can i add something to what you were saying um about triggers um especially you know growing up in the in the community where you know you 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 see police brutality you hear stories and then you you, you know there's constant police um uh presence with the lights the, the, the lights can be a trigger for some people and then and then you go and you see stuff like the George Floyd video. And then and then you see like for me, I saw that and then I and then I saw like you know, police lights in my neighborhood and it just made me grip the the, the steering wheel a little bit harder. I'm sure that's that whenever those kind of things are put out there, you know, by the media, it can trigger a lot of people to to come home stressed or or I mean, I'm sure it, it, you know, you can talk about that more. 
about like the, oh yeah, that affects everybody black everybody white, right everybody because i mean even you know like um like again like i try my best to um i, I try my best to really see everyone as you know energy right. you know human i really try my best to um to live that way and understand that my outer is just a reflection of my inner. Um, Mm. But because of my own personal lived experience with, which is, you know, unique to me and only me, um, I choose to be this way, talk about these things and this is who I am. Um, I I don't know how I, um, I wouldn't be able to, you know, feel, like I'm, um, you know, doing my kids a service if I didn't do this kind of work. So that, you know, as they get older, well, mommy, all these different problems in the world, um, what did you do to try to help? This is what I try to do, baby. You know what I mean? Like, um, so that's why I do what I do, but I know that that affect like the media, um, and it, and it's so sad because the media can be used in such a beautiful way and yet it's, um, yeah, it's not, um, the media can, I, I just heard this other thing about, um, there's something like, what were we saying? Um, something like people, there's a, a, a generation of people that are giving up on life because of climate, um, issues, like climate, climate, dis- change. climate despair. So like they, you know, cause now they're 30 something and they've been hearing about, um, climate change their whole life now. And why hasn't the government done anything to, you know, help with the climate issue? And so, you know, I see, you know, I I don't know, some, you know, I'm assuming white suburban kid is talking about, you know, this hopelessness. And I'm just like, yeah, join the club. But, you know, just my point is the media can cause triggers in er everyone. And that's, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it, it's, it's an unfortunate side effect um, when they, when you are exposed to repeated, repeated news stories and yeah. some of it, some of it's overblown, but, you know, depending on what it is, it's like, well, we need to hear what's going on in the world. Do they repeat climate, the climate change issue may be a little too much. Possibly, but it is an important, it, they, like the goal ideally is that we talk about this so that we can change it. And uh, I don't know, I was talking with some students of mine like the other day, and they were just kind of, you know, these are like fourth and fifth graders. And they were saying, gosh, like between the virus and the comet crashing on the planet, that, you know, because you heard about that, that supposedly there's a, uh, an asteroid, I think, that, or a comet, that, or no, it's an asteroid that's coming like close to Earth in November. It may or may not hit. It just kind of depends. And then climate change with all the things happening because of that, you know, the kids are just like, the world's going to end. The whole world is going to end. Um, and if you take that on and you feel like the world is really going to come to an end, um, it can lead to uh, depression or, or, or trauma. But the key thing to remember with this sort of information, at least with climate change anyway, is that they're not just giving it to you for doom. They're giving you that information so that you can be informed and maybe we can do something about it. You know, 
um, that's I think that's the ideal um, mission of journalism is we're going to give you the good and the bad news. And if we inform people, people are going to make decisions to make stuff better or to change things, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing right here on this podcast. You know, right now we're talking about trauma I think for me, and, and healing so that people can learn something and maybe they can make a change in their own lives. Oh, yeah, maybe, look, really? maybe look into themselves, into their own lives. And it's like, do I have any trauma that I'm, you know, that's affecting the way I behave? Because, yeah, that, I, I think some of them. No. Was, oh. Yeah, I was going to say ideally that. Ideally, that's what it's supposed to be. But I think that long father silence was like, yeah, but we know that the mass media has a different agenda. So, <laughs> mm. no, they're not. They have nothing but good intentions for us. <laughs> Depending on your news outlet, yeah. I mean, the, the fact yeah, that we, when they talk about climate everyone change, wants ratings and it, it gets complicated. What, what were you saying, Gaspar? No, that you when they when I do hear the conversation about climate change, it's is it real or not? You know, it's it's not a real conversation. It's it's not like how do we fix it? How, what can we do? Um, and, and pretty much any any issue to me seems to be like that. Even even the pandemic, it's like. For for months they were talking about masks, masks. You know, should we wear them or not? They they were right. they don't get past you know yeah, one no, little I, thing I, just to kind of keep us know, distracted like, and keep us talking. In a way, like we were talking that's about, it it's it's easier to control someone that's stressed. It's easier to control someone that has problems. Yep, because so, they're not thinking clearly. Right, and that's easier to yeah. How do you how do you get someone to vote for you? You. You put out a problem, that's and you you, you well, say you have a solution to that problem. So, and it, <laughs> you know, um, I, I wanted to ask this to you: um, How can we, as as just regular citizens, help your organization? Oh, we are um, like a nonprofit, you... so you can always just donate. You know, okay, straight to us. Um, but what we are actually, um, we do have something coming up right now. Um, we have our first annual online holiday auction. And how we want the auction to go is we want to feature Black-owned businesses. And we want, um, so let's say if you guys as, um, you know, a show wanted to, you know, participate in the online auction, I say, you know, can you go buy something from a black owned business? Um, preferably, you know, in Alameda County in Oakland, um, a black owned business and you donate that item to us. So what you're doing is a, you're supporting a black owned business and B you're also supporting, uh, um, African American mental health organization. So, you're, you know, you're supporting two ways. And then three, when we auction that item off, the person who buys that item is supporting two, you know, two black owned run organizations as well. And, um, that you can support in that way. Um, the other way you can support is promote the trauma training that I do 
every Tuesday at 6 p.m. We also have um, a woman's circle, a men's circle. We have a Thursday night support circle that's not really, um, doesn't have a specific agenda. It's just a time space that we hold. Um, and those are, you know, and, and talk about it. You know, talk about it, meditate, make that um, a part of your daily routine. Because ultimately, we want to, you know, affect change. Right. Um, and that's the number one way that you can support the organization. Because it's not, you know, it's not about us. Like, it's really about um, helping to change our community, empower our community, talk about it, um, meditate. We, we get on the phone and we... Um, we talk, you know, however long, a minute here, a minute there. That's one thing. Like, this organization has changed my life already. If I've been doing this, um, you know, since May, and I attend um, three to four circles a week, at minimum, you know, I'm meditating 12 minutes more a week, you know, because every circle we meditate for three minutes. So at minimum, I'm just doing that. Every week I've been meditating. You know, how many minutes have you meditated this week? Well, at minimum for me, you know, it's been changing my life doing that, improving my health, um, meeting with my people, meeting with other people who want to, um, you know, push back on the system together. So like clearly defining, um, you know, your pushback amongst your, you know, in your life, your family, your friends, um, clearly define it, doing it. Um, that's how you support us by making that change in your own life. Cause that's, you know, that's what it's really all about. Right. No, that's, that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing you guys are doing. And, uh, uh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be, uh, you know, we'll talk amongst ourselves and, and decide, you know, what, what to do, but we'll definitely be, be participating in that. Yeah, so yeah, when you participate, um, the website is actually um, a little behind schedule, but okay. But we um, can. Where, where can we? Where can people contact you? Um, you can contact us at um, info at consciousvoice dot org. Info um, at consciousvoice uh, dot org, and uh, and uh, and what? And you have a website also, right? And the website is www.consciousvoice.org. Okay. And then if people wanted to reach out to you personally, are you, uh, is that something you do or we just have them in, uh, email you uh, on the website? If, well, if you email info at consciousvoice.org, um, I have access to that. We're also oh, okay. on Facebook. Um, if you go on Facebook, you'll find the links to our trauma, um, to our different circles as well. Okay. 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 Uh, um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, because I can see how this can be, you know, helpful. I mean, even for me, I mean, you guys, I, I, you guys are, is it only for the, uh, Alameda residents or is it anybody? No, it's anybody. Um, anybody. So the, the women's group is, um, is geared toward, um, African women. I mean, African-American women or African women from the African diaspora, the men's um, circle as well. My training circle, my personal goal is like, I want to connect with all the people that, um, that, you know, don't necessarily want to go to the therapist. I mean, I want to connect with everybody, but um, that was, that's why I started this. You know, I wanted to feel that, that's that 
space or gap, you know. But but no, the more people who are trauma informed, the better. So if all the you know all the doctors and all the you know police officers or whoever who work with our community or trauma informed, you know, the idea is that they'd have more compassion. You know, what is that? If, um, if I, you know, I've lived your exact same life, then I'd be exactly who you are. You know, if I lived every day of every moment, you know, of what you've lived, I would be the same person. And so we try to, you know, get people to understand that, you know, something has been happening to us. This is not who we are as a people. That negative stereotype that you have about us that, you know, we're aggressive, we're dumb, or we're lazy. Like, no, that's the stress response. Because what happens in the stress response? You, you know, you fight, flight, or freeze. You're, you know, you're aggressive or you're running away from responsibility or, you know, you're trying to get away or you're freezing and you're not doing anything. You know, like, no, that's not who we are as a people. It's something's been happening to us. Um, slavery is not that long ago. You know, it's okay to talk about it. You know, it doesn't matter that we have a black president, you know, had a black president. Like, none of that matters. Something is happening inside of our brain. We need to, you know... Oh, also, like, the cavalry's not coming to save us. Hello, people. We got to know that, too. So because the cavalry's not coming, yeah. we got to heal each other. And, you know, definitely a shortage of, you know, black or African-American therapists. So you can't even get somebody that looks like you if you want it. So, right. You know, we got we got to talk about it. We got to teach each other about what's going on and how, you know, and how it worked for me. And so, again, that's why I do what I do. This is how I work for me. First, I had to stop and pause, pay attention to my breath, pay attention to my heart, um, you know, and then from there, think different thoughts. And this worked for me. Like, it might take you know, time, you know, talk, the more we talk about it, the more we create this culture of let's heal each other, let's take care of each other. Because I wasn't raised that way. And so I'm trying to be the change I want to see. You know, that's, that's, a that's something I think we can all get behind on. Um, Sandra, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, no, we've been on the story. phone for hella long. Oh no, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to take too much of your time. No, it's been great because, like I said, you 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 made me think about a lot of stuff that I, I, I you know, I feel like someone told you everything about me, and then you, <laughs> and then you just kind of like, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, and they're like, who the fuck told her all my problems, bro? Like, what? you too, not just me. <laughs> like, this is an it's like you read our mind. Yeah, I know. This is an intervention, and you're yeah. just like <laughs> indirectly telling me my stuff and uh but it, it it it's a it's a strange year on top of you know everything that's happening on uh everyone's personal um life it's also a strange year so i'm sure you know everyone's internal triggers are ticking right now <laughs> and um i think it's it's very important what you're doing so um like i said whatever we can do to help uh we will and hopefully um the people listening you know can reach out and, and, you know, we can start healing ourselves. But again, yeah. 
Yeah, it, I, I, I want. I would love to have you on again in the future. Where we could talk more about um, if you're up for it. Um, yeah, most definitely. I am. I enjoy myself, and I actually, you know, I want to be able to learn from you guys as well too, because um, I don't know anything about doing a podcast and um, or anything like that, and. You know, maybe we want to be able to do that as an organization, too. Um, so maybe you guys can help us do that. The oh, last yeah. thing I wanted to say was um, if you do uh, donate something to the online auction, whatever item that is, you know, it'll be able to say, you know, who donated it. And if you have a website or anything like that, um, your website will go on there and your logo will go on there as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, appreciate that. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know we. Yeah. Um, you know we we have a, a trauma therapist that go to the high school that I work out every year through Catholic charities, and they give us a brief overview of what it may be like for for, for some of our students. But I feel like I've learned more in the two hours talking with you, close to. Than I have with the no no disrespect to the Catholic charity folks they're great and they're just giving us the bite size intro before more in depth things but thank you so much oh, Sandra yeah. this, this is the voice party's intervention <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no it, it's you know um, it definitely does make me think more about because like I said. After an episode of anxiety, I could, you know, for for me, I definitely feel a difference in my body. Oh, uh, let me give you guys two um two more tools um yeah. now that you work with um sure. With There's one technique for um you know trying to teach one someone or younger kids you know anyone. Well, there's a, a big echo. Okay. Um, how I teach my kids or um I start them off is I tell them to smell the flowers. Because that has you, you know, breathing and inhaling through your nose. And then I tell them, I hold up my finger and I say, blow out the candle. So mm. I tell them, you know, smell the flowers, blow out the candle. If you want to get silly or goofy, you can say, um, hey, did somebody pass gas? Who passed gas? Can you smell that? Somebody smell that. You know, smell, you know, everybody start <laughs> laughing. And the laughter will disrupt, um, you know, whatever anxiety might be trying to come in or whatever type of energy that you want to disrupt. Um, or you can say, um, I smell cookies. Um, does somebody smell cookies? And then, you know, as they're inhaling and then you tell them, oh, blow out the candle and you blow out your mouth. The I, other, um, yeah. I've ruined everyone's trust with that one because I, I would, I would pass gas and then ask people if they smell the cookies. And <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think I ruined that one for myself. Ruining uh, therapy the since fourth grade. Sorry. <laughs> um, the other technique to help um relieve stress and anxiety is um the clinch technique, and what you do is um you start off, you squeeze your fist, you squeeze your fist real real tight, you move up to your forearms, your upper arms, you squeeze real real tight, you squeeze your shoulders, squeeze your chest your stomach squeeze your thighs your butt and your calves and your feet squeeze and squeeze your neck and your jaws and you squeeze and you squeeze and you squeeze and you squeeze then you let go and then you know 
and you exhale. I don't. I, I don't know how the listeners are feeling at home, but it sounded like you were actually doing it on the on the phone with us. Like I could. Oh, just, I was. I, could, yeah. I I I was doing it too. Then I took a bite of the muffin. I'm sorry. I just. I was, I was, <laughs> You're supposed I was, to be trading in a new habit for the no, old filthy one, JD. Look at you backslide. I'm putting it away now. I'm putting it away. JD's now. like. This is how I deal with my trauma on a daily basis. Don't put water on your face. Yeah. Out of the muffin. Oh, man. Replacing that glucose that that your body just burned. I see see you, J.D. (laughs) So the idea, though, is that a lot of times we don't realize we're holding stress. Sometimes, you know, we Mm -hmm. walk around at a constant. Let's say we walk around at a constant seven, right? And when you do that, you push yourself past you know, 10, you know, maybe you walk around at a 10, but when you clench and you clench and you clench, you push yourself past the 10. Mm. And then when you let go and you release, you're below wherever you started at. And what you're doing is you're, you're reminding your body what it feels like to relax. Which a lot of times. Oh yeah. 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 You know, we don't even realize that we're holding the stress and the tension. So if you, you know, if you make that a practice of doing that, you know, you know, every two hours, um, you're you're taking deep breaths more because that clench will call, and that release will cause you to just take a deep breath, and then you're reminding yourself what it feels like to relax. Which is something that a lot of us don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, no, I, I um, aside from from other little things that I guess, you know, I I guess uh, I, I I know I've developed over time which we just experienced and uh when 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 someone especially i did this in relationships when someone would bring up something that needed to be talked about that was serious i would use humor as a way to avoid getting to the real serious stuff and i know that comes from not beat not liking when it comes to you know when something when the conversation gets too real and and it's about me defense mechanism defense mechanism yeah yeah Mm. Um, oh yeah, but I, I, I don't want to keep you up too late. I, I, like I said, I, I really appreciate a lot of the stuff that you taught us. And, and like Joaquin said, it, it was, you know, I, I learned a lot from this more than I, I, you know, I, I did therapy a long time ago and I never went back, which was a big mistake, but it was a long time ago, <laughs> but it definitely got me, it definitely got me thinking about, about it more now because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you mentioned that, that made me, you know, it just, it's not something I paid attention to before. You know, I, I, I know, I know like diet seems like something I try to focus on. I mean, not right now I'm eating a muffin, like I said, but it's, <laughs> it's something that, but I know that's not the root of the problem. The root of the problem is something else. There's something else. There's something yeah. else. And, and I know that a lot of people listening maybe are, you know, experience the same thing is, you know, uh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. But if you don't really change, you know, and you mentioned you think of your brain as a, as a, um, as a field of grass. And it's like, I, I, what I was picturing that I'm, I'm picturing myself like with a weed whacker, just <laughs> with all, the, all the bad habits I've created over time. And, oh man, um. So well, what happens though is when you choose a different thought and you choose a different response, 
You're not going down that same path. So then the grass can grow there again. I got to build a tunnel at this point. <laughs> yeah, your, your grass is all like, brown. And... So brown. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a cactus Trampled growing for over. some reason. Yeah. Um, no, it's all good, though. Um, <laughs> you know, keep in touch. I don't know if you guys um, if you guys are on Instagram. I don't know. Tag me. Follow me, too. But I do a lot of spoken word poetry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, we, man, we could do an episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hit me up and, um, okay. you know, check me. You know, Tuesdays are really actually pretty open because I do my trauma training at six mm-hmm. and then I chill for the rest of the evening. Like, oh, yeah, I did that. You know, I did it again. I'm, you know, keeping my commitment and it feels good, you know, because I feel like I'm doing my part. Okay. So, um, so Tuesdays are, you know, a, a really cool time, actually. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I uh, maybe we can do more episodes and. And as I slowly slip more into madness, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> you, can, you can document the progress. You know. uh, <laughs> Sign you no, up for Arkham, huh? Yeah, right. No, but uh, like I said, uh, we we um, we really appreciate it, and uh, we hope to hear from you again. And like, also, thank you for coming on the Voice Party. Uh, all right, y'all have all a right, good night. Yeah, everybody, all the listeners, you guys have a good night. Thank you for listening. We're out. And that was the voice party. We are out.